Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. Cool beans, cool beans. All right, so I got my Edna glasses on today. Try not to get distracted. These were my Amazon buy, 1999. They were about two inches larger than I thought they were when I bought them on Amazon, but enjoy the view. We're just going to roll this way. I got them in. I was like, wowzers, <laughs> this is the new me. So here we are. But um, I love what Holly shared today because um, I was kind of good, and I leaned over to Laura, and I said, she, she just gave about three of the bullet points that were in the message. So this is good. When that happens, we know that it's God, right? When that happens, we know God is confirming something. We know God is moving, and we know that Holy Spirit is saying, this is what's on my heart today. So I'm very, very excited about that. She specifically was talking about um, this month of Tibet being the month of the goat, and I heard immediately scapegoat. You were talking about mercy, and we're going to talk about this later today. But if you know anything about the Old Testament, Jesus represented by the scapegoat. After the sacrifice was given, after the person repented and whatnot, the priest would lay the hands on the scapegoat, and all the sins would be transferred to the scapegoat, and the scapegoat would go out into the wilderness, right? So when you, you say it's a month of judgment, but we have to be careful how we judge, I just kept thinking about Psalm 89. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of my throne. And sometimes we, we quote that piece when we're in that place of praying warfare, but the verse continues and it says, but mercy and truth go before me. So we can never truly implement or enact or rule or reign from that place of righteousness and justice, the very throne of God, without mercy and truth going before us, right? In the New Testament, it tells us that by mercy and truth, the, well, in Proverbs, by mercy and truth, the iniquities of the heart are purged, okay? By mercy and truth, Right? When Jesus was up on the cross, the truth was there was a price that was needed, that needed to be paid so that we could be forgiven. But it was also a very merciful act, even though there was a severe price for what needed to be done. So the truth is, you did this to me, but the mercy was, I wanted to do this for you so we could be intimate. And it's beautiful. And this whole teaching really today um, comes out of Timothy. Ali's talking about, you know, it's been a year, right? Anybody, it's been a year where you're growing and you're learning and you're persevering and you're becoming whatever it is God's calling you to become. I asked him what he wanted us to call this today, and I just heard a pure container. If you want to follow along in the scripture, you can look at 2 Timothy 2.20 and 21. I am using the Passion Translation. It just I was in my study this last week, and it just struck me. The words of it just struck me. And it, I'm going to kind of walk you through the process that the Holy Spirit took me through this last week because I saw this verse in this particular translation in a way that I'd never seen it before. And I'll read you the entire verse that we're going to be covering, and then we're going to take it bit by bit. Is that okay with you? 
All right, so it starts in verse 20, and it says, In a palace you find many kinds of containers, and tableware for many different uses. Some are beautifully inlaid with gold or silver, but some are made of wood and earthenware. Some of them are used for banquets and special occasions, and some for everyday use. And Paul is speaking to Timothy. This was one of his spiritual sons. And he says, but you, Timothy, must not see your life and ministry this way. Your life and ministry must not be disgraced, for you are to be a pure container of Christ and dedicated to the honorable purposes of your master, prepared for every good work that he gives you to do. And we're going to read a little bit later, a little bit more of that, okay? And I'm going to finish this here with 22 through 25, and then we'll come back and kind of break it down. He goes on and says, run as fast as you can then from all ambitions and lusts of the youth and chase after all that is pure. Whatever builds up your faith and deepens your love must be your holy pursuit. And live in peace with all those who worship our Lord Jesus with pure hearts. Stay away from all foolish arguments of the immature. For these disputes will only generate more conflict. For a true servant of our Lord Jesus will not be argumentative, but gentle toward all. And skilled in helping others to see the truth, having great patience toward the immature. Then, with meekness, meekness means strength under control, you'll be able to carefully enlighten those who argue with you so that they can see God's gracious gift of repentance and be brought to the truth. This will cause them to rediscover themselves and escape from the snare of Satan who caught them in his trap so that they would carry out his purposes. So after reading the full context of that verse, the entire point of being a pure container is redemptive. So that we can walk like Jesus walks, talk like Jesus talks, love like Jesus loves, and gently teach and correct and instruct and encourage and draw individuals who are being used by the enemy back to a place of being in alignment with God's heart so that they can no longer be used by him for his, the enemy's purposes, okay? So that 2 Timothy 2.20a starts off, in a palace you find many kinds of containers and tableware for many different uses. And when we look at the body of Christ... We look around and we see tall containers, we see short containers, we see wider containers, we see super skinny containers, we see shiny containers, we see down-to-earth containers, right? And God's saying, I placed you here in this body, part of my house, exactly the way you are for a very specific purpose. And it's okay that you don't look like the shiny container over here. And it's okay that you don't look like the relaxed wooden earthen vessel over here. It's okay that you're not the skinny container. It's okay that you're not the wide container. It's okay that you're not the loud container. It's okay that you're not the container that can sing real good. 
right? Because I made you. It goes on in 2 Timothy 2.20b, and it says, Some are beautifully inlaid with gold or with silver, but some are made of wood or earthenware. Some of them are used for banquets and special occasions and some for everyday use. So he's talking about this silverware, if you will. Go ahead and go to the next slide, Jackie. I've been watching the show called Downtown Abbey. Anybody seen that? Anybody seen Downtown Abbey? So in this series, there is this manor, um, Abbey, Downtown Abbey, this place that's owned by Lord Grantham. And they have all these servants and these beautiful children, this beautiful family. And there are a lot of do's and don'ts, a lot of things that are proper and a lot of things that are improper. Reminds me of tradition, a lot of traditions. This is just the way we do things. And in one of the scenes I was watching earlier this week, um, Carson is the head butler, and he's got all these spoons out, and there's a new servant that came in. I think there were probably five or six or seven spoons. And I'm thinking, I don't know how you would tell the difference in those. And the young man says to the butler, he goes, okay, I think I know what these are. And Carson points to all the spoons. They're all lined up. They're all silver. They're, they're longer, shorter. You know, some are deeper. Some are a little bit more shallow. Some have a sharp edge on them. And he's naming, well, this one's for broth. This one's for stew, this one's for eggs, whatever it was, right? And in this particular passage, and really even in the world, sometimes we say, well, this person, this earthen-looking vessel is really only fit for non-platform situations. Or this super shiny person is the one that we need to have up there because they're very, they glow, right? People are drawn to them. That's the one we want up front. That's the one we want in the brochure. That's the one we want out greeting people in the area, right? And sometimes in our natural man and in practical ways, and probably even in this church, basically what Paul is saying, in a palace, you find these beautiful settings, just like on that table, all these beautiful things set perfectly in place. And in, in the worldly way, we say, this is only used for this. This particular glass is only used for drinking wine. Or this particular spoon is only used for eating broth. But look at what he says next. This is so beautiful. Some of them are used for banquets and special occasions and some for everyday use. Sometimes we can be fascinated with the way that something is inlaid in the spirit. I have a story. When I was in D.C., there was a very well-known apostle, and I won't share her name, who shared a story. She said, the Lord took me to heaven, and I went up. And she said, I was there for I don't know how long. And I there was this tree, and it had gold veins, basically, or it's sap routes or whatever, going all the way up through it. And she said, I climbed up in the tree, and I was asking all these questions about the tree, and I was just fascinated, and I couldn't take my eyes off it. She said, and I just stayed there and stayed there and stayed there and stayed there. And she said, the Lord rebuked her and said, come down from here. And she's like, but Lord, I mean, what is this and what is this? And she was so fascinated with this tree. He said, I want you to be fascinated with me. And I just think that's interesting. Sometimes we go to church and we look at the way this worship team worships or the way this individual prophesies or the way this person preaches. 
And it can get in the way because we're looking at a specific container and we have these ideas about where that container should be used, how that container looks, and maybe how we think God should work through that container. But God's saying, I want you to focus on me. I want you to hear my voice coming through them. I want you to hear my song coming through them. I want you to focus on my spirit and how my spirit is moving in that moment. Amen? How many of you felt the peace in the room today? It was good, right? How many of you were encouraged by one of the words that was shared today? Anybody else? I was too. So good, right? How many of you had some kind of an encounter with the Lord today and were able to focus on him? Isn't that awesome? Yeah, and that brings God such pleasure when we focus on him. Sometimes we can look at the call on someone's life and think it looks beautiful and shiny and impressive, but we don't realize what the cost actually is. I can not count on both of my hands how many times people have come up to me and said, oh my gosh, hi. You did this or you did that, and I wish I could do what you do. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, Lord, give him an impartation, because I didn't know in the beginning what it was going to cost to get here, but now I do. And if you're calling them to this, I'm asking that you grace them with the same grace that you gave me to persevere. Because it might look shiny in the moment when you're on the platform and you're having the conversation, and they're looking at the glory that's coming forth, right? But they're not with you in the moment of the crushing, right? When those baskets are being pressed together and you're going, Lord, 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 grace, right? But you stay in that place. Sometimes the enemy will come and say, that's the kind of job I want in the kingdom. And we look at the shiny bowl or the earthen vessel and we say, I'm, I'm just more of a behind-the-scenes kind of person. I don't want to do that stuff. But God's saying, I want you to. I, I want, they need to see this piece of who I am flowing through you. There's going to be someone that's going to hear this message that needs to know that I'm raw, that I'm real, that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be, we say Twitter-pated. We use the word Twitter-pated a lot, right? Like, for the seers, we tease the seers a lot here, you know, because it's hard. We mean by that, we mean it's hard to focus sometimes, right? And that it's okay because everybody's in process, right? And sometimes you've got people that are super focused and they're teachers and they're line by line, precept by precept. Everything comes across seemingly perfect. And then you got others that are floating across the stage and they're seeing something here and they're seeing something there. But that's how God's moving. That's how God's speaking. That's how he wants to move in that moment. And sometimes those are the most anointed moments, Right? And I guess what I'm hearing the Holy Spirit say is, he made you to be you. He made you beautifully. He made you the way he made you on purpose because he wanted you to be exactly who he made you to be. And there's nothing wrong with you. Do you need to grow in character? Sure, we all do. Are you a little quirky? Anybody that's honest is quirky. Okay? It depends on what, what nation you're in, frankly. What's quirky here in America is not quirky over in Zambia. What's quirky here in America is not quirky over in Israel. What's quirky here in America is not quirky in Mexico. 
okay? Culture determines what's quirky. But daddy has called you to be you, and he thinks you are awesome. If somebody's sitting by you or if you're sitting by yourself, just decree this over yourself. Say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Say your name. Say, Stephanie. I'm Stephanie, so I'm going to say, Stephanie, you are wonderful. The Lord says you are fearfully made. Okay? Yeah. So when you see that little cutie patootie you like out there, you can say, Lord, that person is fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you're married, you can look at your spouse and say, they are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a gift. You're just as much a gift to the others as they are to you in your life. Now, not everybody's aware of the gift that you are to them. And we're coming into the season of giving gifts, right? We just came out of Hanukkah, the miracle season of the light and the gift of God being given. The birth time, the, the prophesied birth time or believed to be birth time of Jesus, the greatest gift of all. And you need to know, going into this holiday season, you are the gift. We watched a movie called Encanto. I would highly recommend you go see it. If you can see it from a prophetic perspective, it has a ton of prophetic parallels for where the church is at. Right now, in this era, I strongly believe over the last five years, the Lord's been dealing with the spirit of religion in the church. And he's been slowly and gently and cautiously and graciously pulling that thread of religion and the political spirit and that Jezebel spirit of control and compromise, sexual compromise out of the church. And that's why we're seeing everything manifest in our nation the way that it's manifesting right now. And it feels uncomfortable for all of that to be exposed, but it's not necessarily a bad thing because once it's exposed, guess what? By the grace of God and the finished work of Jesus, we have authority over it. So it's defeated, amen? And that's exciting because that means we're coming out of a season of religion where we come to the proverbial table of the church or the body of Christ and say, oh, you look like this, so you're only fit for this type of work. Or you look like this, so you need to stay in this particular servant box. Amen? Let's go with this and check out my little pictures there. You like that? See, you got the earthen vessel. It's been around a while. Sometimes the enemy will lie to you, tell you you're too old, you're too banged up, you're too wrinkly. I don't know. You're just plastic. You're not made of valuable stuff, right? But there, or you got the gold one, right? Or the, the glass one. But there's times and seasons and circumstances where God's going to call the gold bowl to go to the homeless shelter because he wants to make a statement to a homeless man or a homeless woman and say, I love you so much. I sent this caliber of person to minister to you today. Or he's going to send the earthen vessel to the corporate church. And they're like, whoa, 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 this isn't a gold bowl. And God's going, hold on, sweetheart. I sent this earthen vessel to remind you how good I am and to humble you. And to remind you that I'm no respecter of persons and I choose who I give my revelation to. Regardless of what kind of vessel you are, God has called and prepared you for every good work he sends your way. We cannot say to him, I am too plain, or I am too old, or I am too fancy. 
or I'm not sturdy enough, or I'm too delicate, or I'm not able to do this or to do the other. Whatever God asks you to do, you just need to go. Because if you don't have what you think you need when you get the word, as soon as the word comes, the glory and the grace and the strength and the power and the might and everything you need is in that word when he says go. And you'll be perfectly fit, perfectly ready when you arrive. There's a lot of, I mean, years ago, people look now and they see the platform ministry, but I spent years at the homeless shelter cleaning the bathrooms, cleaning the toilets, cleaning out closets, dirty, rotten food that the homeless women would leave behind, stacked up, garbage, diapers, trash, getting cussed out by people, being told that I didn't love Jesus because I didn't want them to do drugs in our homeless shelter. Face-to-face, spitting, yelling, screaming. Years doing jail ministry. Years taking care of my grandma with dementia. I can remember being at a church one time. We had an individual who had an incontinence issue. And she was very old and very demure. Okay, so she was extremely embarrassed about what happened. And she came out and she whispered to me what had gone on. The Lord said, don't you tell a soul. I want you to go get the mop and I want you to take care of it yourself. And there was feces everywhere. He said, don't you tell a soul. Let everybody else keep fellowshipping. This person would be embarrassed and feel dishonored. Just go take care of it. So it doesn't matter. Sometimes the Lord will have the gold vessel go and clean up the bathroom. And I love Father because they talk about, in the beginning of this verse, he talks about Timothy's life and ministry. So not just his ministry, his public face, but his life, his personal life. And he talks about these how in the palace they say, well, this is only used for this, and this is only used for this. But what does he say to Timothy? He says, but you, Timothy, you, Jackie, you, Cammie, you, Laura, you, Anne, you, Holly, me, Stephanie, we must not see our life and ministry this way. Go ahead. There's two more. Go two down. Your life and ministry must not be disgraced, for you are a pure container. Just decree that over yourself. Say, I am a pure container of Christ. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. The moment you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you became one with him. Your spirit became new. You're literally a new creation. You're a pure container, okay? And this is what Father God's saying about pure containers. That these pure containers of Christ are dedicated to the honorable purposes of your master, prepared for every good work he gives you to do. Whether that's going to the bathroom and taking care of an elderly person, whether that's taking care of your grandmother with dementia, whether it's going to the jail and being misunderstood by the ladies there, you know, whether it's taking care of the homeless man or woman or whether it's preaching to thousands, what is he asking you to do today? It's literally just heeding to the voice of Holy Spirit and not saying because I'm a gold vessel or a glass fragile vessel or I feel like I'm an old earthen vessel, I can't do this, that, or the other. A pure container says, Lord, whatever you ask me to do, my answer is yes. Yes. Yes, I will. Not by might, nor by power, right? But by your spirit, I will. And I'll trust you. 
And I might be a glass container feeling fragile, feeling like I might get broke if I go work in the jail because they're going to holler at me. They're going to yell at me. They might beat me up. The guards might have to come in and protect me because a fight breaks out. But I'm going to go do what he told me to do. Right? I might feel uncomfortable the first time I have to go clean up feces in a bathroom in a church and not tell everybody because I'm like, okay, well, I've always been doing platform ministry. This feels really weird. This feels out of place. I don't know. You know, I'm going to mess up my clothes. I have to preach in 10 minutes. And the Lord says, go. What are you going to do? Right? I know that's an extreme example. But it hit me so hard this week. He had me look up the definition of disgraced. And disgraced means having fallen from favor or position of power or honor. It means to be discredited. So he's saying, Timothy, Stephanie, your ministry can't be disgraced. You can't fall from my favor. I need you to be willing to do whatever I ask you to do. I don't want you to fall from my favor. I don't want you to fall from a position of power. So sometimes if we don't do the last thing God asks us to do, the grace and the power for the next thing he asks us to do won't be there. And we're going, what's wrong? Last time I did this, it was really easy, but why don't I feel the anointing this time? But when he asked us to talk to the person at the McDonald's drive-thru and pray for him, we were like, no, 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 no. Not feeling that, Lord. Right? And we didn't get it right with him. Right? doesn't mean you got to be perfect. I remember he took me to Target one time, and I was a brand new believer, and I was super scared. And there was this guy who kind of had palsy. He had a limp. His arm was all shriveled up. And I felt like the Lord said, I want you to pray for him. I was like, oh, literally shaking. And I didn't have the courage to go pray for him that time, but I did go home and repent. I said, Father, forgive me. I'm, I'm so afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt his feelings. I'm afraid it won't work. I'm afraid it'll, I'll, he'll be disappointed. I'm afraid he'll reject me or think I'm weird. Right, like some of those were some of the thoughts that went through my head. And it was, I could not shake it. For weeks I could not shake it that I did not obey. And finally I took it before the Lord. I said, I let the Lord, Father deal with the fear that was in my heart. Fear of man, really. Fear of failing. A lack of understanding that when he asks me to do something, he actually gives us the power. And that his power and his love comes through us and, and is what causes the miracle to come to pass for the other person. And it's when we obey, when we get the word, go pray, go do this, and we obey, we're not doing anything except doing what he said to do. And it's Holy Spirit that brings the miracle. It's Holy Spirit that brings the wholeness or for whatever the purpose would be, even if they reject, right? Holy Spirit still wanted us to do it to give them an opportunity to receive, Right? And it doesn't necessarily mean you miss the mark if something doesn't happen. Does that make sense? So I love this. The final definition, dis in the English language means not. Okay? So he says, Timothy, do not, your life and ministry must not be disgraced. Your life and ministry must not be not graced. And if you want your ministry to be graced and you want to be a pure container for me, it's really simple. You just be ready as a vessel to do whatever I ask you to do. Because not everyone is there. God can't call on everyone and, and send them to some of the places that I'm going to send you, Timothy. I need you to be ready no matter what I ask you to do. Now, 
should we be wise? Like if we're going to get groceries for someone that we don't know and maybe take another program with us? Sure. Should we get counsel and run it by someone, right? If we've got to send a, a prophetic dream to another leader in the church? Yes, <laughs> right? Should we be humble in our approach and take some time and mull some things over maybe if we're not sure how the Lord wants us to do something, but we know that he wants us to do it? Most definitely. But we should always obey and we should always be ready in season and out for every good work. It struck me when I read this too, you are a pure container of Christ. That struck me. You're not becoming one. You not will be one. But he said you are. And spiritually speaking, each one of us are a pure container for Christ. The righteousness of God is a gift that was given. And that kind of settles my heart a little bit because then I'm not striving and trying and performing to become something. I just lean on the reality that my spirit woman, okay, has been made new and that I am now by the... According to the word of God, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're a pure container. And when we focus on that, instead of our flesh, we come into more of him. Is that helpful? We were talking a little bit today. Well, let me finish this. Okay, so the Greek word for dedicated, okay? Do not be disgraced. Do not not be graced, for you are a pure container of Christ dedicated to the honorable purposes of your master, prepared for every good work he gives you to do. This, the Greek word for dedicated here means easily used. Easily used. Very useful or profitable. Meat to be meat for use, which that means the meaning of to meet is to come into the presence of maybe even for the first time. So you're very easy to use. You're pliable. You're flexible, right? You're not rigid. You're not resisting. You're not rebelling. You're not saying, well, this is the way I do it, and that's just the way we're going to do it, or I'm not going to do it, right? I mean, we've all been there, right? That doesn't work out so well with the Lord. He's a really good father. And he's like, well, then we're going to do it 80 more times until you realize that you just need to do what I asked you to do the way I asked you to do it. And then you'll be blessed and you'll look more like me and we can move forward to the next thing I want you to do. Right? Because we can get caught up in systems sometimes. Brent and I were talking about this in class. I think it was brought up by a couple people. Right? And we get at the table, if you will, of the body of believers. And this is the way we go to church. This is the way we eat our soup. This is the way we sing our song. This is the way I preach the word. This is the way I dance. Or I will always sit. You're crazy if you think I'm getting up to grab a flag. All right? But sometimes Holy Spirit will prompt you. And I would just encourage you, be free. Be free and do it. Be free. There was a word that came out from Barbara Yoder a couple years ago, and I still remember it to this day. And she said basically that dark times were coming. The dread champions were coming forth. And she said, and God showed her, I don't know if it was a vision or a dream, but that when people worshiped wildly with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, and all their strength in their body, that the demons would not be able to stand in the presence of God and they would literally fall away. They'd be forced out of the presence of these people. 
They wouldn't be able to come at them. That that wild-hearted Davidic worship, all in worship for the Lord, was how they were going to defeat the enemy and be protected in this season. And then I go to an event, and I'm in the midst of my season, and I remember the word. And I am going in. Now, you know, y'all know how I am, okay? But I was for real going in. I was like, I didn't care. My eyelashes were flopping around. I had some fake eyelashes on. I was like, I don't care. I am going to worship the Lord. It's been a season. And I'm in it, and I'm worshiping. And, but COVID was going on. And that spirit of fear came in and sh- shut it down. And they asked me to go sit in this other section. I was like, okay, Lord. I'm like, did I miss you? He said, no. You didn't miss me. You obeyed and you'll be blessed for it. But they missed me. They missed an opportunity. And that leader of that particular church ended up getting COVID and getting sick. And I just knew it was burning in my spirit. And I almost wanted to say to the individual, but there was no room. You know how sometimes they got an entourage, like you can't come near the leader? I almost wanted to go and say to the person, hey, do you remember this word that was given It was actually given at this location. You gave this word. But the Lord's like, no, just be still. But in that moment, I was easy to use. I was useful. I was profitable. And I was ready to come into his presence in whatever form, fashion, or wildly prophetic way he wanted me to. And how many of you have been in those situations where you've been willing to do something like that, right? And you're like, what are we facing here, Lord? Is this going to be an exciting deliverance moment for somebody? Is this going to be a religious rejection moment of God's protection? (laughs) Is this going to be, you know, something where I just get an impartation? Sometimes we don't know. He doesn't always tell us what the outcome is going to be. But I always come out knowing when I have obeyed, I've got a greater measure of his glory. And you can feel it. There's a peace that increases. There's a grace that increases. There's a confidence that increases. And it's almost like fear dissipates. When Holly was talking earlier about the um, serpent being under the feet for this particular month of Dan, that verse in Genesis came up for me. And it was, do you remember in Genesis when the serpent had tempted Adam and Eve? Okay. And they had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this was the curse on the enemy. It says, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat the dust all the days of your life. And it was like in that moment when you said that today, we were talking about the foundation of his throne being righteousness and justice, but the fact that mercy and truth go before him. It's a month of judgment, but it's a month of mercy, right? And I just kept... When you said that about the serpent being under the feet, I was reminded of this verse, and I thought, how did God form man? He formed man of the dust of the earth. Our flesh is made of dust. What the serpent really does, and the only thing, it says the enemy is like a roaring lion, roaming here and fro, to seeking whom he may, what? Devour. The curse here is that he will eat devour the dust of the earth. The only places the enemy can devour us are those places where we're feeding our flesh. Or where that part of our flesh hasn't died yet, okay? So when he comes at you, when those places of your flesh rise up, 
He wants you to condemn yourself. Oh my gosh, I'm a horrible person. I need to go repent and fast for 14 days. Right? Oh, I'm so horrible. I've got to do so much better. <laughs> strive, 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 cry, cry, cry. I'm miserable. Ooh. Right? Taskmaster. You know that's the voice of the taskmaster. Anytime he's coming at you like that. But the tree of life says, sweetheart, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Who are you? Remember who you are. You are a pure container. And this is an area where your flesh still lives, and you weren't aware of it till today. So what are you going to do with it? And you simply just bring it before the cross. Lord, I thank you that you died for me. I do not like this area of flesh in my life, and I'm asking for forgiveness. Right? And Paul did that over and over and over again. David did that over and over again. David's Psalms, if you read them from a perspective of having any time in ministry leadership, they're hilarious. He basically wants to kill everybody one second. Then he's crying and feeling sorry for himself. Then he goes, oh, yeah, wait, I'm a child of God. Hold on. I remember who I am. I'm forgiven. Wait, I'm a victor. Wait, Jesus paid the price. Wait, everything's going to be okay. Oh, as long as I obey God, I'm going to be all right. And as long as I'm honest with God about where I'm missing it, I'm going to be real good. I'm going to be able to walk in victory, and I'm going to overcome, and God himself is going to defend me. Amen? So it really encouraged me when you shared that um, today, how. So pure containers are easily used. They're useful. They're profitable. And they're meat for you. So they're ready to come into the presence of any good work at any time, regardless of what it is. Okay? And that's who you are. When I read in 2 Timothy 2.21b, it says, prepared for every good work he gives you to do. What jumped off the page to me or kind of percolated as my spirit is, Holy Spirit wants you to know that every work God gives you to do is a good work. It's a good work. So if he's calling you to love your enemies, it's a really good work. There's a reason. They need that. It's the coals upon their head. It could be the prayers that turn a Saul into a Paul. It could be prayers that turn a Soros into a, I don't know what his new name would be, right? We don't know. We don't know what God wants to do, right? We don't know. But we know that the work is good. So I, I think I might have told this here before, but I'm going to tell it again. I pull up to this drive-thru at McDonald's, and this woman was angry, angry at life, angry at me, and she was not happy because of my nationality at all. She was like, you ever daggers? I was like, oh, Lord, do I say anything? And I feel like Father God's saying pray for her. I was like, hmm, sha-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, sha-na-na-na-na. You better give me something because I'm not just going to start praying. So I started off with a compliment, which Lyra does very well all the time. I love your hair. Okay, now she had a wig on, and I've learned. You don't call it a wig. I did not know that. Mommy Vet taught me. It ain't that Girl, this is not a wig. This is my hair. She would say, so I said, I love your hair. And she softened a little bit. And I'm listening. I'm like, okay, can I pray now? And I said, you know, would it be okay if I pray for you? I just really feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. And she looked at me like, 
girl, please, you ain't got nothing for me. And I was like, okay, Lord, like, what do I say now, right? Because she was not happy with that. Like, she needed something, and I had what she needed. Like, I was being presumptuous, kind of that kind of a feeling. And I said, well, real quick, well, well I'm a pastor. <laughs> and I'm just driving through, and I don't know why, honey, but you just look like maybe you need a word from the Lord. And then she started to cry. I said, if you could ask God for anything right now, and you knew he would answer what would you ask him for? And I said, and if you don't feel comfortable telling me the circumstances, that's okay. Just be generic. And she said, would you please pray that he would fix my circumstances? That's all she said. And she's crying and crying and crying and crying. And I said, yes, I will, honey. So I prayed. And I said, and I want you to know something. When God fixes your circumstances, you need to know he saw you, he heard you, he loves you, and he's forgiven you. And he wants you to serve him the rest of your days. And she's just crying. She goes, you made my whole day. But if I hadn't been a pure container, if I hadn't been willing to pray in that moment, regardless of how I was perceived by the individual, the container that God brought, she wouldn't have been blessed. And I wouldn't have been blessed. That's a testimony now. I love telling that story. Because I came through, you know, some, a little bit of tension there to come into obedience, and she came through some perceptions that she had to come into the place of being able to receive a blessing, and it was beautiful. And I look at our nation, I look at our church, I look at our families, right? We all got Christmas coming up. Lord knows, you know, family can be an interesting place. A lot of times God will place a seed in the midst of a family to be a light, and you're going, am I the only one? <laughs> can I bring a friend this year? <laughs> right? But we're called. We're called to be a container. And when we step out of those places, kind of like Lyra and Laura and the others, we're talking about complacency today. I mean, that seemed to be kind of a theme. When we step out of that place of complacency and into the place of obedience, and we're slow to speak. I've learned to be slow to speak. My propensity is to speak 50,000 miles an hour because that's the way God made me. And Jackie's nodding her head because she knows it's true, and she can keep up with me because she's Latino. And we love it. That's why we have coffee together. So with coffee, it's even worth it. It might even be 75,000 words an hour. And we, that's why we bond, right? But I've learned to be slow to speak. Like in that moment, in the drive-thru with that young woman, if I had just reacted out of my flesh and not continued to ask Holy Spirit, okay, what do I do now? She's mad at me. Like, she's offended. I can see it, right? And probably offended about something totally different. Her circumstances, some things, the way she's been treated before. Who knows? But I wanted to tap into love, and I didn't know what to say next that was going to work. When we slow down enough to listen, silence for the other person isn't a bad thing. Silence actually stirs up the fear of the Lord in the other person. They're like, well, well, they're not talking. Why aren't they talking? I don't know what I want to say, right? It kind of causes their flesh to shake a little bit. And it gives us a minute to hear from God exactly how he wants us to steer that conversation back to what he's trying to accomplish in the moment. And then he gets the glory, right? So pure containers, we just it's okay to slow down. And it's good to know that God only gives you good work to do. Only gives you good work. Whatever he asks you to do, if you lean on him and you're readily available, it's going to be a good, good thing. And you're going to be blessed.
It goes on in 2 Timothy 2, 22. I think this is interesting, one of my favorite numbers. <laughs> I just have to laugh. Run as fast as you can from all the ambitions and lusts of your youth. Chase after all that is pure. Whatever builds up your faith, deepens your love, must become your holy pursuit and live in peace with all those who worship the Lord Jesus with pure hearts. So run as fast as you can from all ambitions and lust of your youth. In other words, what is an ambition? It talks about selfish ambitions in James, right? I want, I think, I need, I believe, I this, I, 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 I. That got Satan kicked out of heaven, I'm just saying. What did Jesus say, though? He said, not my will, but thy will be done, right? So if we can posture ourselves in those garden moments every time, Lord, you know, kind of like Holly was talking about, putting everything before him, weighing it out. Do you want me to do this? Do you not want me to do this? Is this of you? Is this not of you? Not my will, but your will be done. Because we know God is good, because we know God loves us, and because he's a perfect father, we can always, always trust him to choose the good thing and the best thing for us. And because we're still, you know, growing in godliness and that flesh is still dying, it might not be painless, but it will be really good. And then the next time you come to a place of obedience or something he asks you to do or the next good work he has for you, it gets easier. Can anybody testify and agree with that? Right? The more we obey, the more often and more consistently we obey, the easier it gets. It's almost like you get a spiritual moment, momentum. Your, yes, your trust increases, your faith increases, your vision and your clarity increase, your peace increases, your authority increases, and your favor increases, and your joy increases. Because you've done this a few times, and you kind of know how it's going to go. And that even if it doesn't go good, you still obeyed, and you're still going to be blessed, whether the, regardless of how the other person reacts or the other situation turns out. And so we kind of go, he says we go from faith to faith and glory to glory. We literally do. We go from that place of faith, okay, I'm going to step out again. And then we get more glory and grace. And I go from the next place of faith, obeying what he told me to do, and we get more glory and grace. Come on. And it's awesome. Turn to your neighbor and say, you glowing. You're glowing. You're glowing with his glory. And that's true. Did you know we can glow so much that even as we age, the glory of God is so apparent on our faces? It says when Moses came down, like he looked young. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I'm, forget the facials, ladies. Okay, let's just go in, up Mount Zion and spend some time in the presence of the Lord. And it literally says he, he, he covered his face because the people couldn't look on it. Have you seen anyone like that or done that yourself where you've been in worship or you've been fasting and you're like, man, I look good today, right? That's the glory. That's why when you, if you ever have a visitation by angels, none of them look old. In his presence is life, life abundantly forevermore, right? That's who he is. So run as fast as you can from all those selfish and business use. Chase after all that is pure, Right. In some seasons, you know, like when I was younger, I used to watch a Skeletor. I don't know if you remember that. It was a horrible cartoon. I didn't know it at the time, but I really liked it. But now I go back and I look at it and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this has got like a lot of witchcraft in it. But at the time, I didn't know. I just thought it was so cool. And I liked the fact that the bad guys were, um, the good guys were beating up on the bad guys. But I go back and look now. I'm like, dear Jesus, I cannot believe my mother let me watch that. 
right? So there may be some things in our youth that the Lord allows, but as we mature and as we come into more of our calling, he's going to ask us to begin to prune those things away. You know, just take a minute. Say, Lord, is there anything that in the, this last season was okay with you, but you're asking me in this season just to lay it down? And it can be something silly, like shrimp. Like one year, he literally had me lay down shrimp for three years. I was like, what? He's like, you like it too much. I was like, what? Well, I didn't know this at the time, but three years later, when he finally let me eat it again, there was a whole batch of bad shrimp that had come through, and everybody got sick off it. Several people died. I was like, okay. So it served two purposes. It was a fast of sorts for me, where I wasn't feeding my flesh in that area. And also, the Lord was protecting me from that bad batch that came through. I didn't get sick like everybody else did because I was eating it almost every week. Isn't that cool? It goes on and it says, whatever builds your faith and deepens your love must become your holy pursuit. It doesn't say whatever makes you feel good and helps you to feel comfortable and allows you to be selfish must become your holy pursuit. <laughs> Right? Are we reading our own mail? Right? But whatever builds our faith. Okay, so if it's building your faith, that means it's something that it takes faith for you to do. Something you got to step out to do, right? What is that thing? So Holy Spirit, like what is one thing? What is one thing maybe you're asking me to do that would take faith to do this season? What is one thing you're asking me to do that would deepen my love? Maybe it's having that conversation again, listening without talking, responding or defending to the person that got vaccinated and really wants to tell you how mad they are that you didn't. Just shush and listen, okay? That's love. That will deepen your love for them. Maybe it's letting the lady at the McDonald's drive through rant and rave for 20 minutes until you get an opportunity to respond graciously. That's love for them. Maybe it's letting your boss, who has not treated you well, treat you not well again and not be snarky with them. That's love for them. That's love. Right? Maybe it's not responding on Instagram and social media when somebody says something absolutely ridiculous that you know is not true nor based on the word of God, but they're just having a day. That's love for them. Have we all had days? We've all had days. You know? Sometimes we just got to give people the same pass we want them to give us, right? We just got to give them a pass. And that doesn't mean they're necessarily in our inner circle if they're not equally yoked with us. But you can give people a pass. You don't have to be offended about every little thing somebody does. Everybody's in a different place. Next slide. And this is so good. When I read this, this really helped me with, um, well, with everything, if I'm being honest. Okay, I'm preaching to myself because this is literally the verse God gave me last week. A true servant is not argumentative. Say, self, you are a true servant. You are not argumentative. You're very calm. You're a great listener. <laughs> You're gentle. <laughs> Amen. You're not argumentative. I'm not argumentative. Right? It says we're gentle, okay? Stay away from all foolish arguments of the immature. That tells you two things. Arguments are what? Foolish. Who's doing it? The immature. So we're either going to jump in the immature pool and swim around in the mess with them, 
or we're going to avoid and stay away from all foolish arguments and be a mature example for the rest of the body and just not go there. Or the unbeliever, right? It's not worth it. With someone who's immature, who doesn't have the revelation of who God is or the revelation of his word, you're just going to, it says rebuking a mocker heaps abuse on you. So someone that doesn't have the revelation, there's no point arguing with them because they really don't get it. It's sort of like when Jesus, they persecuted him, hung him on the cross, and he's sitting there. He's like, I'm not going to argue with you. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Right? Now, I'm sure that's a sarcastic version of that, but you track him with me. He didn't say, <laughs> let me tell you, I am the son of God, and you're hanging me, and I'm coming back one day. And I'm going to take the believers, those of, who have believed in me with me, and you need to repent right now. Let me tell you why you need to repent. Here's the 375 verses in the Old Testament that prophesy about me. No, they did not get it. They did not even know what they were doing. They wouldn't have been able to receive it. They were angry. They were deceived. They were being used by the enemy, right? So he just said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. I'm going to use that a lot. And I love this. It says there's, we, we're gentle and we're skilled in helping others see the truth. It says stay away from all foolish arguments of the immature, for these disputes will only generate more conflict. How many don't want more conflict in their life right now? Amen. Okay, so we're going to stay away. Amen. For a true servant of our Lord Jesus will not be argumentative but gentle toward all. Say toward all. That's important. Not just the people we like and not just the people that like us. And skilled in helping others see the truth. Okay, so we got to be skilled in helping others see the truth. So a skill is something you learn. It's something you have to practice. That means you got to step out in faith and continue to have the conversations even when they're difficult. Even when people don't respond well. Even when you don't handle it perfectly every time. And then like Holly was talking about, during, about first fruits. Go back and process with the Lord. How did we do here? Where did I hit it? Where did I miss it? Holy Spirit, forgive me. Do your vertical talks. You know, to take care of what you need to take care of. And then it says, having great patience toward the immature. Okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, guess what? You were immature once, too. <laughs> and so was I. And so was I. We all started out that way, right? So was I. We've all been there, you know, where it's like we got our first taste of the word and we're, sha -da -da -da, I'm going to tell this pastor. <laughs> Holy, I have a prophecy from the Lord about things need to change around here, right? Right? We've been there. So it's like, just have great patience toward them. They really don't know. If they knew, they wouldn't be doing it. If they knew, they wouldn't be saying it. Amen? Next slide. All right. I want to talk a little bit about God is a God of justice. I don't know if I'm the only one in the room, but that warrior princess side of me sometimes is like, justice. The Irish part of me is like, Lord, I want to destroy some altars today in Jesus' name that are not of you. And see your kingdom come and your will be done. You know? But like we talked about earlier, that psalm, right? It says, the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. And oftentimes we're praying for justice. Justice is the virtue which consists in giving to everyone what they are due. It's really the law. Okay. 
And righteousness and justice cannot be separated from God's mercy and truth like we talked about earlier. Because it says righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne, but mercy and truth go before him. Mercy and truth go before you. That's Psalm 89.14 in the NAS, New American Standard. Mercy and truth must go first to truly operate upon the foundation of his throne. That's the context of that scripture. So when we're having those moments where we're like, but God, I want justice. He's saying, so do I, and I already paid the price. My mercy and my truth must go first. I was in a meeting the other day, an individual was talking a very... Um, strong leader in the region, and there was a certain situation, and she said, um, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne, and I just want to make this right. And I listened and listened and listened. She went on and on and pontificated a little longer. And her point was, in the end, she said, I really don't care what went down here. I don't care what the truth is. We just need to make this right. And I didn't think about it until I was preparing for this message, and the Lord said, Next time that happens, because this happens on a regular basis, because this is a very justice law-oriented person, he said, I want you to say, yes, righteousness and justice is the foundation of his throne, but mercy and truth go before him, and we need to talk about what happened. And we're going to be merciful about it, but we need to have the conversation, and it's not wrong to do so. Because we're not shaming the individual. We're not condemning the individual. We're being merciful, but we do, in order for the individual to grow, we need to go there. Amen? Okay? And that's love. We can't even come to the cross without admitting where we're at, that we need his help, right? Right? That's part of mercy. Okay? That's part of receiving that free righteousness. Okay? And Holly touched on this too. This was the other bullet point. I'm laughing. A pure container is unoffendable. If you have not listened to Patricia King's last two teachings on her podcast about being unoffendable, they are the best I have heard all year. Absolutely the best. The fence is so subtle, and we are all growing in this area. I am growing in this area. Sometimes we say, well, that just agitated me. That just bothered me. I didn't like it. That just kind of miffed me. I'm not mad. I'm not angry. That's offense. It's that spirit of offense trying to create a crevice. Or that person got on my nerves. Or I don't like the way that went down. That's that spirit of fence trying to create a crack. Or trying to draw on your flesh to get you to take the bait so that it can move on in and wreak havoc on you and bring you into a place of anger, then bring you into a place of bitterness. And then cause that bitter root to grow up faster and then defile many people. Okay? We need to help each other with this. I know I'm still growing in this area. Y'all have heard me say some things the last year and a half, right? I mean, that big of a betrayal, you're going to be tempted to be offended. And in worship today, it was so helpful. It was so, so helpful. Just that encounter with the Lord. You know, to say, you know what? We've all been there. Who am I? Am I really more concerned about me and my comfort and my what I want? Or am I going to say, okay, well, where there's love, there's liberty, you know? You do you. I'll do me. And God will work it all out for good. Just like Jackie was saying in class today. So I can trust him. 
We are all in process of becoming more and more pure. So I want to say this too. It's not a sin to get angry when something like that happens. It's not a, it's not, it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It's just God's way of saying, hey, this is an area I want to work on, right? And as we continue to lay it before the cross, lay it before him, take it to him, we become more and more and more of a pure container that he can use. Psalm 141.5 says, and that's, I'm still on the Colossians 3.12. When one of your godly ones corrects me, or one of your faithful ones rebukes me, so this is referring to a believer, I will accept it like an honor I cannot refuse. It will be as healing medicine that I swallow without an offended heart. Even if they are mistaken, I will continue to pray. Anybody had to swallow a few things this year? Okay. We've all had to do it, right? We've all had to do it. And God is so good and God is so faithful. The medicine is good for us because it's those times, even if they're wrong, it deepens our love. It deepens our love walk. It gives us an opportunity to love someone else more than we love ourselves. It gives us an opportunity to lay down our life. It gives us an opportunity to grow in an ability to pray and intercede. Amen? 119, Psalm 119, 165 says, Such great peace and well-being comes to the lovers of your word, and they will never be offended. I was like, well, i got to grow a little bit. Help me love your word more, right? And if you go to the word and, and you're corrected or convicted by the word, and even if you start off kind of going, ooh, that hurts, but you come around to the place where you're like, you know what, Lord, this is good, that's unoffendable. You're unoffendable. That's awesome. That's all God asks of us. Position your heart in that place where he can continue to work on you and minister to you and through you. I'm looking for something real quick. Give me a sec. Okay. I want to read you this verse. Colossians 3.12. You are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourself with the virtues of God since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Come on, somebody. You've been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate Showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and be humble. Unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate weaknesses of those in the family of faith. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, thank you for tolerating me. I'm going to tolerate you too. <laughs> and that's okay. That's what family does, right? Because we're all growing and that's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. Forgiving one another in the same way you've been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme, and it must flow through each one of these virtues. Love 
becomes the mark of true maturity. Isn't that beautiful? That's what a pure vessel looks like. All right, let me go here. So next slide. Yeah, that's it. Yep. It goes on in 2 Timothy 2, 25 to 26. It says, then with meekness. Okay, and then what? Not being argumentative, but gentle toward all and skilled in helping others to see the truth, having great patience with the immature. Then, after you get to that place, with meekness, you'll be able to carefully enlighten those who argue with you so they can see God's gracious gift of repentance and be brought to the truth. How many of you would like to be skilled at carefully enlightening some people? <laughs> right? Now, we all want to enlighten some people, but maybe not um, in a godly way yet, right? But God's trying to get us to the place where we can carefully enlighten them because those are his kids. So think of individuals or the immature or people that aren't real teachable, um, sort of like toddlers, right? How would you speak to a toddler? Would you be gentle? Would you be kind? Would you be compassionate? Would you be patient, right? Unless they're causing themselves harm, you'd be pretty gentle, right? It says, so they can see God's gracious gift of repentance, come on, and be brought to the truth. This will cause them to rediscover themselves. In other words, it helps them to remember who they were created to be. That gets me excited. It awakens them to their destiny. Every time you gently enlighten someone, you take the time to carefully have the conversation to bring them around to the truth. You're helping them to rediscover who God created them to be. You are literally opening the proverbial book of destiny for them and saying, Letting the Holy Spirit lay it out for them and say, this is who God made you to be. And they watch you and they listen to you and go, I want that glory. I want that courage. I want that consistency. I want that gift, right? I was made to flow like that. I was made to speak like that. I was made to think like that. I was made to strategize like that too. Pure hearts are redemptive in nature. They're hope-filled hearts that desire Abba's best for others, even when their behavior is bringing great pain or harm to us. And Jesus' cross was the greatest example of that. Amen? So really, it's just continuing to increase and becoming a pure container means being ready for every good work, becoming skilled at gently enlightening people, and embracing the cross in those moments where God's revealing something that needs to kind of go and just taking it before him and saying, okay, Lord, here I am. I see it. I agree with you. Thank you that in Christ I'm forgiven. Please fill me again. Fill me again. Fill me again that I may look more like you. And then I love this picture. Go to that last slide. This is the final word Holy Spirit gave me this morning. He said, you are a pure container. And I saw these little glass glasses with the butterflies on them. When you're transformed, when you're pure, when you're transparent, if you will, you can be used for any good work. You can be used for scooping rocks out of the river. You can be used for drinking a glass of wine, you know, or grape juice, okay, for the religious people, right? You can be used for holding God's oil, 
You can be used for shoveling dirt. Whatever he tells you to do as a pure container, he can use you. And you are ready for every good work because Christ lives in you. You're already ready. Just like that vision God gave. This oh, I'm laughing today because of how everything tied together, even with worship. The vision of the individual covered in the ashes saying, I can't, I can't. I've got ashes all over me. And the Lord said, just go. Lyra was singing it. Just go. I'm sending you. Go. And as you get to the edge of the water, you're going to swim. And you just start swimming and going deeper and deeper and deeper. And you're going to get washed up on your way to where I'm taking you. Isn't that good news? It's freeing. It's so, so freeing because you don't have to wait to get all fixed up. You just go. And you really are pure and you really are ready to do everything he's called you to do. Amen. So, so we're just going to do a quick activation here. We talk about this um, a lot. Revelation brings responsibility. Okay. So when, remember when Jesus said to the Pharisees, now that you say you know, right? So every time we learn something, we have a greater responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required. That's what the word says. Okay. So revelation brings responsibility. So now we have a responsibility to remember that we're a pure container. And it's okay if you don't do it perfectly, so take a deep breath and just tell yourself it's okay. Okay? Spiritual gifts can be taught. We just did a teaching. They can be caught like they were in worship, and they can be activated by faith. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to activate them by faith. Okay? So I just want you, as an act of faith, to kind of close your eyes, to hold your hands out before the Lord. Okay? Spiritually hold your hands out before the Lord. And I want you to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me about this message today? Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming. Keep praying, and simply obey, because God is good, and he has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.